Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey, folks. Thank you so much for being here. We're really excited. Josh and I are really excited because we had an opportunity to chat with someone special in our lives. It's a special to our community and PodMax. And his name is Steve Sims. And if you haven't heard of him, he's famous for a concept, a mastermind, a company, and a best-selling book called Blue Fishing, which Josh, I'm so glad you were here for this conversation because I had the fortune of speaking to him for Capital Hacking and you got to experience and learn to love why I love him. Tell me what you learned today. Uh, well, aside from everything, uh, <laughs> even the first five minutes, you're going to hear he he talks about why he is ready, willing, and able, as successful as he is, to guest on any show whatsoever without any regard for the clout of the show. It's fascinating. But even more than that, what became evident is he is a masterclass in business. I found myself not just listening to him as the interviewer, but I was instinctively picking up on these signals of how I can, how I can do and apply what he's doing and has done in his business, in our business. Wow. And not only hearing it, when you listen to the episode, I make him take a step back and tell us again. And I point out how the trick is done. And, and it's just a phenomenal, uh, inspiring episode that every person, every entrepreneur, every business person is going to benefit so much for, not only because of the entertainment value, he's extremely entertaining, as you know, but just because of the education, how you're going to be able to dissect and, and basically imitate what he does and how he does it. Yeah. All that being said, really, is nothing more other than to dive right in and enjoy Steve Sims and all he has to offer and all we have to, we can learn from him. So enjoy this episode, folks. If our guest admittedly says he goes on any show that'll have him, I feel amazing <laughs> to have him right here. It was meant this to is- make you feel special. Well, and it worked, especially when you recognized me as the guy from the top left of the Zoom call. But bear in mind, your whole thing is about the power of podcasts. Here we go. Okay, we go. so if you, so surely I have just announced that my preferred medium mm. is podcasts. I've given you a massive compliment. Now, what's true. fascinating, Stephen? God, I love this direction. Could you just? I want it in your words. Um, what are you affectionately known as in your group when it comes to <laughs> podcast guesting? Title it for us. Well, you know, eloquently, yes. I'm I'm known as the podcast slut. 
Now, what I love about that is somebody like you, you know, arguably you've done a thing or two in life, right? Let's just get that out of the way. You've you've accomplished a, a certain level of something or another. Fine. And yet... How satisfying, Eric, that somebody like Steve is still ready, willing, and able to say, give me any microphone. Mm. I don't care. I'm going to get in. I'm going to get out. Why is that acceptable, Steve? Why are you not saying you have to have X amount of downloads? I got why? Why? Oh, Christ. People don't realize that podcasts, even let's be blunt, the internet is still the wild, wild west. You know, we've been in it for 18, 19 years now, mm. you know, I've got shirts older than the internet. <laughs> and, uh, the bottom line of it is people are out there going, oh, no, we missed a window on this. We missed the window on this. Let's get specific for a, for a second. It's only just over half the population of the planet mm. that have access to Wi-Fi. Wow. Okay, when you start realizing how many billions of people don't even have the ability to tune in yet. You realize that you are far from Mr. Window. And if you are, if you have a product, if you have a service, if you have a voice, if you have a message, the best medium in the planet, not Forbes, not the Wall Street Journal, not the New York Times, of which I have been front page on all of those, it's getting on someone's podcast and getting the person to hear your message in your voice, in your passion. Podcasts are the best medium there is at the moment, and they've only just started. You know what's crazy, Steve? And welcome to the show, by the way. Oh, it's a <laughs> pleasure to be here. Yeah, we we, lo- we love starting our shows this way. It's somewhat sort of new, just behind the curtain. So um, you remind me of Lewis Howes, who, who we all know and love. He's a major podcaster. He's arguably in the top 10. But he said when he hit the airwaves, traditional radio and and media, getting on Oprah, getting on this channel, getting on ABC, uh, you know, uh, morning and good morning America, whatever it was, he started to realize the people that were gravitating towards him were not his ideal audience. Yeah. They were housewives. They were single mother, single parents. And he was like, what am I doing? And so now what you're saying only highlights to me the people that we want to talk to are here on podcasts, social media, the mm. internet. And also you, you've got to think about it. I've, I've, done the, I've done the good mornings. I've done the today. I've done the sunrise. I've done all of those. And I've been on some of those shows. And I know Lewis. So, hey, Lewis, how you doing, boy? <laughs> uh, you know, I've been on those shows. And even if you're really stonkingly good, you get eight minutes. You know, if you are if you are a bleeding headliner, you get eight to ten minutes. If you go on and you're a segment, you get three. So you go on there and you're on a major TV promotion. And let's break it down for anyone out there still wondering if podcasts are worth it. You go on a major TV network and you get your three to five minutes of glory. Okay. You can't get a copy of that recording. You're only allowed to send people to their website to see that. So you can't take it and share it. The shareability of a podcast, even this, I can I can tag people, I can share it. So distribution is dead easier. I'm also going to get 
I don't know, 30 minutes to rant on whimsically about anything. People can hear your voice. It's unscripted. It's conversational. It's a lot more intimate. And it's not as intimate when the panel of a good morning show are all done up with heavy makeup and a suit and tie and stuff like that, and you're given three minutes of glory. So I don't understand why people still think TV is the golden goose. Think about how many people watch subscription services now and don't watch those programs. And, you know, Ellen, you know, Oprah Winfrey, Kelly Clarkson, all of those big shows, you can go on there and you can attract thousands. If you can get on there like Lewis did, you can get mm -hmm. thousands, tens of thousands of subscribers, you know, by the following hour. So you now have 30,000 people following you that are inappropriate to do so. So you just really got to work out, do you want loads of people following you or do you want the right people following you? What is the prerequisite, whether it's getting on the good mornings or in this case, getting on podcasts as a person? What do we need to have, in your words, dialed in? Our story, our message, our charisma, our magnetism, the guests, our passion? Yes. The point. Dead easy. Bang. Straight in. Simple answer. The point. I don't like people to come on shows going, hey, well, thanks for having me on, Eric. I've got a course coming out, and it shows you how you can grow your mustache for only $3.99. You know, that's an advert, okay? And very quickly, people will turn off on that. But if you can come on and go, look, I did this, and it worked for me, and I'm going to break it down now how it can work for you. You know, I've often said, no one cares how much money you, you made before you had your crap this morning. They cared about how you could pass that information over to help them become more powerful, impactful, affluent, whatever the point is. So the guest always has to think, what's the point for the listener in listening to me? Yeah. I mean, for me personally, when I met you, you know, months ago, um, your dynamic way of storytelling, your unique sort of history on how you came to be where you are, creating Blue Fishing, not just the book, but the mindset and the experience and all of that. You know, and, and I love how, how, how you sort of label it as the, the make a wish for billionaires. That, that, those things, those stories, like I, you only peeled back two, maybe three tops on our other show. Um, that is so interesting to me, like, because no more normal people don't rub elbows with uh, Richard Branson, Sir Elton John, you know, all these folks that you're, you're privy to and have access to in order and, and give your community access to. Can you talk a little bit about that? So people have a primer, like, you know, Steve Sims up and coming. Um, and then, and then how blue fishing came to be. So you're wrong for a start. Okay. See, what's the difference between a rich person and a poor person? Money. Money. That's it. That is absolutely it. But how many times, and you can watch this on any kind of like Access Hollywood or award show or anything like that, when you've got the superstar, when you've got the singer, when you've got the icon, the legend, whatever it is, and they go over to meet their fans, you know, or sign a postcard or take a selfie, what is it the one thing all the fans do to their icon? They bow. Mm. 
Mm. You know, you watch it. And now that I've revealed it to you, you're going to watch it and go, they bloody do. Whenever you meet someone. So when someone walks up to um, Elton John or Elon Musk or Richard Branson, you know, they may be making a ton of money. They may be very successful doing business with Richard, maybe a goal of theirs. But the first thing they do is stick that person on a pedestal and push them mm. away from themselves. It made no sense to me. Now, luckily, as a young lad growing up in East London, I was dumb as shit. I was completely ignorant to this. So when I met someone rich or powerful, my wife says I'm a 55-year-old, five-year-old. But if you've, got, <laughs> if, you've got, if you've got a child with you and you bring them over to meet the Pope... They're not going to. Yeah. They may not go to because they may be intimidated. No, I mean they're not gonna isolate and discuss. They're not yeah. gonna they're not gonna do anything like that. If you turn around and go, hey, Johnny, meet John. You know, your little kid's gonna go, hello. Yeah, and that's it. That's gonna that's gonna be the whole thing. But we, as we get older, we get more intimidated. Me, mm. I was too ignorant for that. So I wanted to find out. Why Richard Branson's super, super good at branding? Why is Elon Musk super good at doing? How did Elton John, who is a vicious, bitchy person, become such an icon? How did these people become so fantastic? And I would ask them, you know? And because I asked them, it's like me saying, Eric, where'd you get your glasses from? You know, if I ask you that question and then shut up, there's actually a high probability you're going to tell me. So I've actually been in the room with Ray Kurzweil, the inventor of, inventor of Siri, with Peter Diamandis. I can name drop until you're puking. And I've literally gone, so what made you invent that? Why did you do that? Elon Musk, why did you invent PayPal? Why are you more successful than I am? And along the years, while doing things for them to keep their engagement, you know, these fantastical dreams and make-a-wish things that I did, my sole goal was to get the bot to the bottom of why they're successful and I'm not, and how people ruin it for themselves. And that was the number one thing I found out. They put them on pedestals, push them up on the top of a pillar, and then complain that they seem distant and they can't have a conversation with Oh, how many times do you hear people yeah. go, oh, he thinks he's so special, you know? Because you made Just, them that way, right? You put them there. You made them that way. And now you're bitching about it. So it's a funny old world we live in. Is what I'm hearing that the this is this has become a cultural, natural instinct and thing to do. But if we want to really accomplish something in our world, you have to effectively position yourself alongside of them. Well, you have to show up. You see, and this is, this is another one of the myths. Um, if we want to launch a company, we straight away go, well, okay, I better build a pretty website that makes me look in articulate, intelligent, and superior to have the answer to this problem. Rather than a real person, and let's be blunt, who discovered the answer to something probably by failing at loads of other things, you know? I am a serial failure. I have failed at more things than I could possibly think of, you know, hundreds of thousands of things. But how many times does it matter that you fail as long as you got it right once? 
And that was the main thing. You need to show up as you. Today, we're confused. Today, we're irritated. If I turned around and said, hey, I'd like to have a conversation about Black Lives Matter at the moment. I'd like to bring up Asian hate. I'd like to bring up Me Too. Hey, I'd love to bring up Trump. Can we have a conversation about Trump? Someone in the audience, if not one of you two, is probably sitting there going, oh my God, I don't want to get into this conversation. Okay? Today, there are lots of conversations going on that rather than us having them, we avoid for fear of us looking stupid. Okay? So we don't converse. So we make up these brands showing who we are supposed to be doing. And all we're doing is confusing the end user looking at us. Branding today is a myth. Let me break down what branding is. Branding is what people say about you when you've left the room. That's it. That's all you've got to worry about. So with me, when I would turn up to meet these people, I wouldn't turn up as a shaky, intimidated little schoolgirl. I'd be like, hey, how you doing? Steve Sims, I believe you're Elon. How you doing, bud? What you working on now? I would show up and I would bolster in. I'll give you a perfect little story, if I may. I had a client of mine. Um, I would say that he would make a good evil villain on a James Bond movie. He's from Ukraine. He's got the accent. <laughs> he's got the build. And he wanted to meet, uh, and a gentleman we've already mentioned earlier, Sir Richard Branson. And I was working for Richard's mum, Eve. Sadly, she died a few years ago here in Los Angeles. So I had said, look, come on over. I'll introduce you to Richard. So we go to the event. Richard's leaving the event. He knows he's coming over to see me and my client. And Richard's doing his usual two-step. Every time he steps forward, selfie. Step forward. So, you know, everyone's jumping on him before he leaves the room. Yeah, fine. You expect that. You know it's coming. And I'm stood there waiting for him. And he's slowly coming towards me. And then as he gets closer to me, my client starts to do this, starts to bow his head. You know, he's now going to meet a man that he reveres, an icon to him. Now, bear in mind, I would go as far as to say that I believe my client is probably dollar for dollar richer than Sir Richard Branson. Okay. But it was funny how he was intimidated by Richard because Richard is a branding god. He has, done, he has done a brilliant job of branding himself, okay? If you ask to name, you know, 10 virgin companies, more than likely Richard doesn't own any of them anymore. He sold them on, okay? But he's an iconic brand, and that's what he's done a brilliant job of. So as my client is starting to bow and Richard's getting closer, I needed to get my client to stand up. So I leant behind myself as I was scratching my backside and I went whack. And I whacked this guy on the back of the head as he's just about to meet his icon. Now, this guy is a big, scary ass dude. He stood up straight because I've just struck him in public. And he looked at me like he literally wanted to kill me. And at that time, I went, Hey, hey, I'd like to introduce you to Richard Branson. Richard, meet so-and-so. Now, because my client had kind of like reared up, chest out, shoulder back, he went, pleasure to meet you. They met as equals. You know, there was no intimidation. There was no bowing. They actually ended up having a great conversation. He actually went off with Richard, and they do business together now. See, the bottom line of it is too many people front. And today, 
we don't have a lot of tolerance. All of the topics that I spoke to you about, all the subjects that I mentioned, we have a very, very low tolerance to bullshit and shine. I want to know who you are. I want to know what you can do. I want to know the solution you have to see if you can help my problem. That's all I care about. I don't care about you leaning up against a car you don't own. I don't care about you showing, uh, doing a selfie with the camera up high so it shoots down your cleavage. I don't give a shit. I want to know how can you help me? That's all we care about today. Yeah. And, and hence why people listen to this show and other shows that you've been on and shows that we record. They're mainly looking for answers. They're looking for, well, also entertainment through story. Um, you know, somehow, some way it's a form of entertainment for those out there, but then also it's informational. Um, but yeah. So what are the, some of the things that, you know, with your business and when you create a blue fishing and all the beautiful things that you, you do, um, what are some of the solutions that you offer your tribe, your community? So my concierge firm had the solution of making you more interesting during your cocktail stories. That was it. I was there to give billionaires fancy cocktail stories to show off at their next event. Hey, this is Steve Sims from Bluefish and the Art of Making Things Happen, and you're experiencing PodMax. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called PodMax, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about PodMax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co. And I hope to see you at the next PodMax event. Can I just chime in for one quick second? I, I just want to pull the curtain back for a minute because that statement, obviously you're a pro at what you do, but for those listening, that statement is so succinct that every one of us should be able to answer what we do in that way, not what we do, not how we benefit, but what that end result is. It's intriguing. It's powerful. Can you just say that again? And, and I just want everyone to really hear it in context of what you do and, and how, how just extraordinary that is, because it gives us a feeling of want and desire, because I know nothing at this point about how you do it, where you do it, what's required from me to it, but I'm like, I want that. <laughs> how do we all achieve that so please say that again i just used to tell billionaires and first off i would always pick on billionaires because they can afford me um and i didn't want to be giving people 30 month payment plans so i would always tell them I, I can make you more interesting at your next cocktail party and that was it and so that's what i started doing then when the book came out and i realized what i did the rest of the planet wasn't which baffled me because anyone that's been listening to me for longer than three seconds realizes I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. You know, I just get shit done. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to get people out there and go, Hey, stop trying to be perfect. Start doing. Um, and the book 
launched me into another area now. So now what I do is I work with entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, companies to get them uncomfortable and to remove confusion. And I try to get people, my goal is to make you impossible to misunderstand. Whatever you do, I want it to be impossible to misunderstand what you do. Because then the only, the only thing you've got to do after that is to find the person that needs you. And isn't it amazing how many, let me give you an example. I'll give you a perfect jo- uh, example here, Josh. If your people listening to this opened up on a desktop, this won't work on a phone or an iPad, on a desktop, every single one of that social feeds, you know, that LinkedIn, that Twitter, that Facebook, that Tinder, whatever, every single one of that social feeds on one screen, would that picture and that bio be the same on every single one? And the answer is probably not. You see, what I don't understand is somewhere along the line, we were convinced that if it's on LinkedIn, hey, we've got to have a shirt and tie. We've got to look all professional. You know, CEO, captain of industry, blah, 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 sausage maker. You put all of that on LinkedIn, and then you go over to, uh, to Facebook, and this girl's gone wild. You're sitting there with your Mai Tai, your shitty shorts, and a couple of cleavage shots. For some reason, we change it, but is Apple different on LinkedIn than it is on Twitter? Is it different on Facebook than it is on Pinterest? The what the fuck are you? You know, what gives you the brain power that makes you think you've got to be different on different platforms? You're the same person, but you're confusing your clients. And that's the simple thing we do. We get in there, we do what's called a social audit. We show, we look at how you show up and where you show up first. And then we redefine what it is that you are the solution to, rewrite the bio, and make sure that that's saturated through all social feeds. That's the first thing we do within our coaching. We want to remove the confusion that you've created from the people you're trying to do business with. And no one confused will ever give you that credit card. Yeah, so that's the concierge service, right? That's sort of the consulting marketing arm that, uh, you know, helps to make sure everyone's consistent. Yeah, the consultant and marketing arm came out of the concierge. You know, they kind of, there was this, this flow from doing the, 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 the magical, whimsical, you know, uh, fantasy island stuff. I suddenly realized no one else was doing it. And so now I teach entrepreneurs how they can do the fantastical and whimsical. Yeah, I love that. I love because we're, we're completely aligned, you know, with that, you know, that message, you know, to, to everyone out there who's, who's trying to create some sort of brand for themselves, you know, the consistency yeah. of it. But I, but I also want to get into uh, the mastermind because I've been telling Josh about this <clears throat> and you told me some <laughs> wonderful stories um, and it could be that story. Actually, I do want to tell that story, have you tell that, but then also other ones that may come to mind. Um, but the one specifically, when you told me about the Gigafactory and the Bunny Ranch, and I was like, that my mind was blown. I don't even know if the mics were on when you told me that story. Um, but could you share that or something like that that's just mind-blowing and like everybody who hears these stories are like, I'm all in. When's, yeah. the, when's the next so- one? <laughs> Well, the next one's sold out, so you'll be happy to know there's no pitching or promotion on it. Um, <laughs> but, but there's um, one coming. Oh, there's always one coming. So I launched three years ago an event. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to have people turning up based on 
a risk and my credibility. I wanted to challenge my credibility because there's an old saying that everyone loves it until they have to pay. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I wonder, and this was just as the book came out. Now, bear in mind, before Blue Fishing came out, The Art of Making Things Happen, there you go, shallow plug for the book. Before that book came out, I was probably the most connected guy with billionaires that you'd never heard of, you know? So I wasn't a big deal. I didn't have the TV stuff. I didn't have all of that. But as soon as I started coming out with the books and podcasts and people getting to know me, I thought to myself, I'm going to do an event and I'm going to charge you two grand and it's going to be in this city. I don't know, you know, where, but it's going to be on this date in this city. Pay me two grand. Who's going to do it? And I challenged myself and someone actually said to me, this is like a speakeasy. We don't know where it's going to be. There's probably going to be a password to get in. This is exciting. And I went, that's right. <laughs> so it literally became the speakeasy. We actually, at the beginning, was going to call it the beanbag mastermind because a friend of mine had all these beanbags. And so we were just going to give those as chairs. Um, and that would have been funny because some of the people turning up would have been funny to see them getting out of a beanbag. But <laughs> You know, the fact that this speakeasy concept was born. And then I thought to myself, how can I take it further? So we run speakeasies three times a year. And next one is sold out, is in San Diego in July. Um, we'll announce after then where our next one's going to be for this year. Last one was in Scottsdale. Before that, it was Nashville. Uh, before that, it was um, uh, San Francisco. And every time we do them, Vegas, sorry, Every time we do them, we try to get you uncomfortable and introduce you to different concepts, ideas, right. perspectives. So I did Speakeasy Reno. Okay. Gave you the dates, gave you the price tag. It's always two grand. Sign up here. That's all anybody knows going into it by design. Oh, yeah. Right? If you, and, and I'm not giving anything away. And again, it's already sold out. So you can't yeah. do jack shit, jack shit with it. But if you go to stevedsims.com and you click up Speakeasy, I don't know if I could put less information on a page if I tried. <laughs> you know, it's just absolutely minute in the information. I could put the entire invite on the back of a stamp. Love it. Very okay. easy. So, Reno, we did Speakeasy Reno. And for anyone that goes to Reno, why? You know, that's, that's basically the question. Yeah, unless you're passing through the Tahoe, <laughs> it's because everyone that's in Reno kind of can't afford to go to Las Vegas. You know, that's what Reno is. You know? <laughs> it's, it's just, I'm sorry, folks, but, you know, if you're in <laughs> Reno, you're lost. Um, and so doing one in Reno, there's no four seasons. There's, you've got very little up there. And I thought, can I get people to come to Reno and I'll shake them up? We sold out, okay? So what I did was on the day, on the day of the, the speakeasy, I said, okay, you're going to meet me at the exit of this hotel. And so they all lined up at the exit of the hotel. We stick them on a bus. No one knows what the shit's going on. And we took them to Elon's Gigafactory just outside of Reno, Okay. They got a private tour. One of the only uh, people outside of, of Elon's group to ever have a private tour of the Gigafactory. Now, the Gigafactory, you've got to understand, is the largest single constructed building in the planet. 
That gives you an idea of how big it is, all right? And it's even got removable walls so it can actually go out. There's one other building that is going to beat the size of Reno's Gigafactory, and that's in China. And guess who owns that? Elon. He's doing the same thing over in there. So, so this is a massive, massive plant filled up with all the solar panel specials that he's doing, all of the tiles where he's actually building the solar panel physically into the tile so you don't have the glass slabs, all the batteries, the Tesla subframes. It's all being done in here. It's an amazing think tank of, of uh, new technology. So we walked around in there. We had this tour for the morning. Then we had to, we got to drive these Teslas all around the plant, had a load of tacos, back in the bus. And then for the afternoon, I took them to the Bunny Ranch brothel. So in the morning, sure, they had the newest technology in the world. All for two grand. Newest, <laughs> yep, the newest industry. And no one knew anything. And the newest industry. And then in the afternoon, they had the oldest industry in the world. Oh, so, man. So that's what we did. But you know, there was something that really startled me. And I think this is what Eric's getting on about. I think it's the prostitutes and the Tiffany girl, isn't it? Yeah. We had these three prostitutes there. And we're walking, the, the, the bottle was open. So, you know, any any John could have come in at any moment now. <laughs> and he would have met with all of us going, we know what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so we had this private room and we had three of the girls in there and they were talking to us about body language. How can they connect with the person quickly? Wow. How can they discover if, they're, you know, if, if you're that type of girl that they're looking for, you know? So they were talking about body language and we had another girl, bear in mind, 60% of our attendees were female. Oh, As we were pulling up to the, to the uh, brothel, one of the guys tapped me on the shoulder because we're, we're pulling up to it. There's a bloody way sign saying, buddy, buddy ranch. <laughs> and he said to me, you've done some risky things in your life, Steve, but this is either going to go real well or real south fast. <laughs> and I looked around at the bus. Everyone was quiet because shockingly, surprisingly, not a lot of people have been in a brothel and even less people actually want to admit that they do. <laughs> so, and I'm taking in a bunch of women and guys into this into this brothel. So, there was one of my people there that was one of the uh, top uh, trainers for Tiffany, the jewelry company, and they started going on about selling expectation. You don't sell sex. We know what sex is: It's in and out, in and out, done, good night. We know what it. It's the tease, it's the seduction, it's the whole thing around it. And the conversation went between this person from Tiffany and the prostitute on selling expectations, okay, and excitement. And the girl from Tiffany turned around, she said, you know, we've never sold an engagement ring ever. And of course, this is a funny thing to hear when it's Tiffany, the jewelers. They've said, we've sold the reaction. So when we've got someone in front of us, you don't deliver them a ring and go, sir, this is $20,000. You know, this is a class cut diamond. This is a platinum band. You don't sell the facts and features. You open up the box and go, can you tell me, sir, what would her reaction be when she saw this? Mm. You're selling the reaction. You're selling the expectation. 
That's what you said. It's the same with the girls as well. So there was a conversation between these three prostitutes and the head of Tiffany. One of the best conversations that I've witnessed. And I just thought to myself, if I hadn't have taken a risk, this conversation wouldn't have happened. And when we came out, that girl was like, that was one of the best conversations I've ever had. You know, it was so sharp, so spot on about body language. And she turned around and she said, any of those girls could have had a PhD in psychology because they mm -hmm. nailed it. Steve, I'm 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 so sad this conversation has to come to an end uh, because I'm just starting now to see the emerging theme. First of all, this is an absolute uh, business MBA class over here. Uh, from what I had you do before, when you told the what your business does, I help billionaires be more interesting at cocktail parties, tell better stories. I said the same thing. I said I don't even know what that means, but I want that. So you got that reaction from me. That mixed with the fact that you can sell a $2,000 ticket with zero information. I know we don't have the time, but my goodness, I want everybody to figure out, us included, Eric, what is what does he have put in place that accounts and allows for that? What has he? What work has he already literally done to enable that result? It's just, this yeah. is all just fascinating. Well, then stay tuned for the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will have because you so wonderfully and graciously said yes uh, to, to joining us at PodMax. So we're going to continue the conversation. Yep. Uh, we're going to have fun. You're going to share all of your amazing story and uh, what you have to share with the world um, to, our, to our tribe and our community. So thank you so much, Steve. What's the best way people can reach you? I know your website is wonderful and- uh, Oh yeah, I'm pretty easy. I'm easier to get than COVID. Um, <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at stevedsims.com, D for dashing, and there's only one M in Sims, stevedsims.com. Well, you can find me on Instagram, an entrepreneur's advantage with Steve Sims. I'm really easy to get. Yeah, I love on your website, especially where you have the speakeasy. Like you said, it's, it's, it's very uh, sort of nondescript, it's just, here it is. Here's where it is. Uh, buy with a credit card or buy with crypto. How long has that been in place? Long enough for me to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's. Uh, um, I just look. The bottom line of it is, you've got to do everything you did last year and do more. And so every year you've got to try different things. I said to you at the beginning, I'm a serial failure. When we first put it up there, the links didn't work. And then, of course, like the barcodes came in, starting to make it easier. So it's, a, it's an ever-evolving technology, and I just wanted to kind of play with it. So I would say probably about 30% probably about of this one um, has got purchased with crypto. Um, but uh, prior to that, maybe it was 5%. Uh, but more and more people are kind of like trying it and getting used to it as to be a, to be a way. And, you know, I, my last payment I got when I think crypto was like, you know, 58 or something like that. So I've taken a bath on that. But um, I've got a couple of people joining at 31. So I'm all right. <laughs> Excellent. We're Go. looking forward to seeing you again very, very soon. Steve, you were amazing. Thank you so much for joining us here. Uh, and we look forward to the next conversation. I look forward to seeing you at PodMax. 
Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time.